Everybody Suffers, So How Can I Pray For You? Welcome back to the EverybodySuffers.com podcast. My hope is that through this podcast, I can help you make sense out of suffering so that either you experience consolation or so that you can share consolation with others. I'm Carl Brown, and today's episode is about the Immaculate Conception, since today is the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And I'm going to talk about a couple different angles of the Immaculate Conception, what the Church teaches, who Mary is, who Jesus is, and what Scripture has to say about this. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by Our Lady of Kibeho. Kibeho, Rwanda was the site of the most recent major Church-approved apparition of Our Blessed Mother. She warned us of the Rwandan genocide of 1994, and she reintroduced the Seven Sorrows Rosary. Mary gave this warning more than 10 years before the genocide, which she confirmed by predicting the death and resurrection of three visionaries in Rwanda. And the warning she gave the people of Rwanda was specifically not just a warning for Rwanda, but a warning for the whole world. So what will you do now? Will you pray the rosary every day as she asked? Or will you one day regret not having done enough to prevent what she warned us about? Let's start out with a prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in them the fire of your love. Lord, help me to say whatever you want me to say, and make me forget whatever you want me to not say. Amen. Our Lady of Sorrows, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is the Feast of Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception, and I want to just shed some light on this. Someone said to me one time, why, why do we have a feast for Our, Lady, Our Lady's Immaculate Conception? Why do we believe this? And the answer to why we believe it is because it's true. Do we need any other reason to believe that? It's true. That's why we believe it. And why do we have a feast day in honor of the Immaculate Conception? Because it's a great aspect of who Mary is. You know, my wife and I were married in June. My birthday is in June. And Father's Day is in June. And this makes a pretty fun couple of days for me in June. And nobody says, hey, wait, this is too much to, to bunch together. Why don't we just have one day where we celebrate your birth and the fact that you're father and and your anniversary. But the reality is, we as human persons have multiple dimensions to our character and our identity. And the fact that Mary was conceived immaculately is something that should to be celebrated and honored. And we should, we should celebrate this feast day just in honor of who Mary is. So what does the church teach about the Immaculate Conception? And in order to answer this question, let's just, let's just review some uh, timeline. It was 1854 that Pope Pius IX instituted or de declared the dogma of the Immaculate Conception. It's not something that had never been believed before like the rapture. The rapture had never been believed until the late 1800s. 
But the Immaculate Conception is something that had been taught and believed by Christians since the very beginning, even before the church approved the canon of scripture, even before some of the books of the Bible were written. Here's what Pius IX wrote. We declare, pronounce, and define that the doctrine which holds that the Most Blessed Virgin Mary, in the first instance of her conception, by a singular grace and privilege granted by Almighty God in view of the merits of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the human race, was preserved free from all stain of original sin, is a doctrine revealed by God, and therefore to be believed firmly and constantly by all the faithful. One thing that's really interesting about this dogma is that it was declared in 1854, and then four years later, a young, illiterate child in the hill country of France said that a woman was appearing to her, and she identified herself as the Immaculate Conception. This is one of the primary reasons why that apparition caught the attention of so many people is because this young girl would, would not likely have ever even heard that phrase, the Immaculate Conception. And here she was saying that a woman from heaven was claiming to be the Immaculate Conception. So that was taken as a, a confirmation of the dogma, and rightfully so, because how would this young girl have known? But let's look at who Mary is in order to learn a little bit more about what this, what this means for us, the Immaculate Conception of Mary. And maybe let's start with who Jesus is, because obviously Jesus is more important than Mary. And what we believe about her comes from what we believe about him. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God. Jesus came to offer himself as a sacrifice to atone for the sin of Adam and Eve. And he had to be human in order to make this sacrifice that would reverse the curse of original sin. And yet, he had to be untouched by sin. After all, he is God. And therefore, it's, it makes sense that Mary was not touched by sin. So let's look at who she is. Who is Mary? Mary is the mother of God. Some say she's not the mother of God because she's not greater than God. And I'm not saying she's greater than God, but Elizabeth called her the mother of my Lord, and Jesus is her son, so she is Jesus's mother, so she is the mother of God. And as the mother of God, she reverses Eve's sin, she's the mortal enemy of the devil, and she's prefigured through the Ark of the Covenant. Now let's just unpack that a little bit. She, she reverses the, the sin of Adam and Eve. And Eve, after the fall, was named the mother of all the living. Isn't Mary even more so the mother of all the living? And 
in the book of Revelation, we hear Jesus say, I make, behold, I make all things anew. And that quote is the foundation for the concept that the new is greater than the old by a degree that, that we can't even fathom. If Moses prefigured Jesus, Jesus is greater than Moses. If David prefigured Jesus, Jesus is greater than David. If the temple prefigures heaven, heaven is greater than the temple. And if Mary is the new Eve because she undoes the sin in the Garden of Eden, then Mary is greater than Eve. And yet Eve was created without original sin. So isn't it possible that Mary was created without original sin? In fact, why would, why would God give a favor to Eve that he wouldn't give to Mary? And if Eve was created without original sin, and if Jesus said, behold, I make all things anew, then isn't it at least possible that Mary, Mary's greatness is more deserving of that reality? Another thing to think about is that Mary is the mortal enemy of the devil. In Genesis 3.15, the devil has had victory over Eve by getting her to defy God and eat the fruit. And in that moment, in Genesis 3.15, what is called the Proto-Evangelion, the first gospel, God says, a woman will crush your head, speaking to the devil, while you strike at her heel. And this is a prefiguring of Mary. And the prefiguring of Mary, the prophecy that Mary would have a role in salvation, is that she's going to crush the head of the devil. Well, if, if Mary had been stained with original sin, or if Mary had committed personal sin, then the devil would have some dominion over her. And it, it just doesn't make sense that she, who was going to crush the head of the, the serpent, would be subject to him in some way, especially through sin. So Mary is the mortal enemy of the devil. He can't touch her. He can't come close. He has nothing on her. And when I say she, he has nothing on her, I mean <laughs> she has no stain of original sin. Mary is also the Ark of the Covenant, the new Ark of the Covenant. The first Ark of the Covenant contained the Ten Commandments, which was words from God. But Mary contained within her the Word made flesh. The first covenant, or Ark of the Covenant, contained the bread from heaven, the manna. Mary contained within her womb the true bread from heaven, the, the flesh that would feed the world, as Jesus says in the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John, Mary is the new Ark of the Covenant, and 
she's greater than the old Ark of the Covenant. The old Ark of the Covenant was covered with gold. We're told that in Exodus 25, verses 10 through 16. It was covered with gold to show its, its stainlessness, its purity, its beauty. And it was not to be touched by human hands. That there were poles by which people could, could lift it. And in 2 Samuel chapter 6, one guy reached out his hand to steady the ark so that it wouldn't fall into the mud. And he was struck dead on the spot. Now we can look at that and think that that's terrifying, <laughs> and it is, but it, w it was also true that you, you could not look at the face of God lest you would die. But that doesn't mean that God is terrible. It's just, it is terrifying, but that doesn't take away anything from the greatness of God. It doesn't make him cruel, but Uzzah couldn't touch the Ark of the Covenant. It was covered with gold. It is special. It is set apart. And Mary is set apart. Mary is special. Now, what does Scripture have to say about the Immaculate Conception? Because we can find a lot in Scripture, but we can't find everything in Scripture. For example, we can't find in Scripture the canon of Scripture. We also don't have the word Trinity in Scripture. We also don't have the word Incarnation in Scripture. But the fact that we don't have the words Immaculate Conception in Scripture doesn't mean that it's not true. So, for example, when the angel Gabriel greeted Mary, the angel Gabriel used a very unique Greek word. And the word is Kekaritomine. That word is a future perfect tense, meaning not just that hail Mary full of grace, but hail one who has been imbued with grace. She's been completely imbued with grace. And it's not one who is full of grace, but one who has been filled. And grace is the life of God. It's the it's the it's what ends sin. It's what can be killed by sin, but grace and sin can't abide together. Mary had has been imbued with grace. She she has been immaculately conceived. And another way we can see this is in the book of Revelation chapter 12. John says he saw in the heaven the Ark of the Covenant. And there were peals of thunder and flashes of lightning. And he saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars. And she was pregnant and was about to give birth to a male child who was to rule the nations with an iron rod. And the devil wanted to devour the child. So this woman clothed with the sun is Mary. And she's pregnant. And yet she has a crown of 12 stars. In other words, she has an honor. 
She has a grace. She has a gift that is not dependent upon her giving birth to Jesus. It is by virtue of his death and resurrection, because God is outside of time and space. But the point is, her crown is not, does not come after she becomes the mother of God. It, her crown doesn't ha is not that which came after Jesus died for us. He created her without original sin so that he could be the perfect sacrifice to atone for sin. Some might say, well, this creates a never-ending regression. If, if she was conceived without original sin, wouldn't, she, wouldn't her parents have to have been conceived without original sin? But that's like saying that if the Ark of the Covenant is lined with gold and no human hands could touch it, then, then the gold that is mined should not be touched with human hands and <laughs> the, the gold that is mined should be mined with gold and should be carried with gold. There is no need for an infinite regression. There, there was no need for an infinite regression with Eve. I know that sounds crazy, but Eve was created without original sin. So isn't it possible that Mary was created without original sin? And the real question is, if you're still stumped, is why is Mary in heaven with a body, with a crown, before she's given birth to Jesus? It's because Mary is the Immaculate Conception. And by the way, the Immaculate Conception, Mary, Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception, is the patroness of the United States of America. So praise God we have such a great patroness, and praise God we have such a great mother in heaven. Everybody suffers, so how can I pray for you? Thank you for joining me in the EverybodySuffers.com podcast. I'm Carl Brown. My hope is that through this podcast, I can help you make sense out of suffering so that either you can experience consolation or you can share that with others. You can email me your prayer requests at carl at everybodysuffers.com. And since podcast statistics are hard to come by, if this episode was a help to you, please let me know. I'm Carl Brown, Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception. Pray for us. Our Lady of Sorrows, pray for us. God bless you. Have a great day.